Well, good morning. If you would, again, please turn with me to Acts 10, verses 9 through 48. We have a long passage this morning, so I will not make you stand. But at the end, I will say that this is God's word. And if you agree, please say, thanks be to God. We've been in the book of Acts these past several weeks, and today we will see a turning point in the book's narrative. I will be reading from the ESV version, Acts 10, 9 through 48. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guest. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he walked in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner, by the sea. So I sent for you at once, 
and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. This is God's word. One thing that I've noticed as a parent is that kids can be very picky eaters. I was not such a picky eater as a kid, but still there were a few things that I just found yucky, particularly raw onions. I just couldn't eat raw onions, but over time I've gotten to the point where I can eat some thoroughly cooked onions or fried onions, grilled onions, maybe with something else, and only just a little bit of them. Coffee was something else that I did not enjoy as a kid. One Sunday afternoon at age 10, I decided I would drink it absolutely straight up black just to try it. My folks kept asking me if I wanted any cream or sugar with it, but I wouldn't add any because I wanted to see just how it tastes. And I figured that if you're adding cream and sugar to it, you're just masking the flavor if it's yucky. So why drink coffee if it's nasty? Well, that was my reasoning at the time. But over time, I've opened up to different ways to flavor it. And I've opened up to coffee-flavored ice cream and chocolate-covered coffee beans, realizing that it's the cream and sugar that makes the coffee taste better. Or maybe it's the other way around. It's the coffee that makes the cream and sugar taste better. Maybe that's it. But hardly a day goes by without me drinking at least two cups a day. But these are common foods that many people seem to enjoy, but for some reason I didn't like them at a young age. But yet as a kid, I could eat some of the strangest stuff that most people would consider untouchable. 
I look forward to spending a day with my grandparents. Mama and Papa would hook me, my siblings, and cousins up with all the good stuff, like chicken gizzards, sardines with crackers, potted meat, and about every part of a pig except the squeal, like liver mush that most of us here, I understand, enjoy, but also fried pork skins, fat back, and even pickled pig feet. Well, in Old Testament times, the Jewish people had a dietary code to follow according to the law that God gave them. There were certain unclean animals that they could not eat. But now God has totally changed his mind in the New Testament, so it's all right for us to have a church barbecue and order fried shrimp at the fish camp, right? Well, kind of, but not quite. Not quite exactly. Uh, but to understand this Old Testament dietary restriction, we need to realize that there are three categories of law in the Old Testament. The moral, judicial, and the ceremonial. Best summarized by the Ten Commandments, the moral law is timeless and still applies to us today. The judicial law is the civil code that God gave Jewish society to live by, except in its general equity, it is not binding upon us today. The ceremonial law described how to approach God in worship. Prohibitions against eating unclean animals reminded them to live holy, pure lives and not to associate with those outside of the covenant. But the ceremonial law is no longer binding upon us because it has been fulfilled by Christ. We now have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to guide us now, and we have no need to keep this ceremonial law. So what does this have to do with Peter's vision in Acts? Let's recall Acts 1.8 for us a second. Jesus said to his duly commissioned apostles before he ascended into heaven, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what has happened so far in Acts? We see the apostles preaching and evangelizing their fellow Jews in Jerusalem. Many come to faith in Christ, but some, especially its leaders, are apostates who rejected the church with the stoning of Stephen. After the church branched out to Judea, the mission continued to the Samaritans. They are the remnant of the northern kingdom of Israel after the monarch divided after the reign of King Solomon. Now, of course, this does not mean that Jews can't be a part of the church from that point forward. Now, there are different proposed biblical theologies, that is, how we approach interpreting the entire Bible as a whole and how God's plan of redemption is flowing through the scriptures. But in Baptist covenant theology, that's the theology described in our confession, Judaism, the religion, is viewed as the distinct but necessary scaffolding that was necessary to construct the kingdom of God. Now that the scaffolding is no longer needed, it was torn down by AD 70, culminating in the temple's destruction during the Roman Jewish War. The apostate Jews of that generation were judged, for they had no excuse for their rejection of Christ by crucifying him and for rejecting the church when they martyred Stephen. With the temple and the entire Jewish system gone, the only way that anyone can be in God's presence is through Christ and Christ alone and no other way. For he has fulfilled all that the temple pointed to. The temple in Jerusalem is no longer necessary. 
because the worldwide holy universal church is now God's temple. And it's in our hearts that the Holy Spirit himself rests. They rest in the hearts of Messianic Jewish Christians like the apostles and Christ's earliest followers and even Gentile Christians of every tongue, tribe, and nation. And if you have any doubts about your salvation, just look at the skyline of Jerusalem today and take note of what is not there. The temple is gone. All the work has been complete. There's nothing more to be done. Some people hear that and think it's anti-Semitic or it's anti-Jewish. And we must be clear that Christianity is not anti-Semitic. It is not anti-Jewish. Christ himself and his earliest followers were Jewish after all. We must be clear that Christianity is not against the Jewish people group and God has not transferred the promises he made to them to us Gentiles. And briefly, while we are on the subject, there has been this strange trend towards anti-Semitism, anti-Jewish sentiments here in America among some people. And we have to be clear that there's no place for that. Christians need to be prophetic voices against racism toward any people group, including Jewish people. Jews are welcome to be a part of what God charged their faithful ancestors to take part in building. Christianity is the fulfillment of that religion. And even the most hardened Jews, like Saul, now known as Paul, can be converted, and the invitation extends to them to know their Messiah today. But today in Acts, we see how God the Holy Spirit prepared the church to branch beyond the Jews and Samaritans. So this is the passage's meaning. Luke recorded the vision of Peter's to indicate that it is now time to spread the gospel to the Gentile nations. Today we can apply this passage by continuing the Great Commission and branching out to those who have not heard the gospel, even the untouchable ones. So here is the first point. We should seek the lost, even the untouchable ones. Recall that we have been introduced to Cornelius in the previous verses of chapter 10. He is a centurion who feared God. An angel of God tells him to send three men to Joppa to meet Peter and bring him back to explain the Christian faith to them. Meanwhile, Peter has his vision around noon the next day about lunchtime. As we will see, this vision will prepare him to receive the invitation from Cornelius since Jews could not associate with Gentiles beyond professional relationships at the time. While lunch was being prepared, God gave Peter a vision of these unclean animals that he should ordinarily have nothing to do with on a sheet descending from heaven. Though Cornelius's vision was an external reality of an angel delivering a message, Peter falls into a trance and God gives him this inner vision. And the Lord tells Peter to get up, kill, and eat these unclean animals, which is contrary to what Peter understood as a Jew for his entire life. Thinking, perhaps, that this is some kind of test, Peter objects and says, Well, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And interestingly, he may have been starving at lunchtime, yet he resists eating what God, at least in a vision, is providing for him. But the voice of God explains, What God has made clean, do not call common. And after occurring three times, this sheet of unclean animals is taken back into heaven. 
The animals represent Gentiles, and the sheet has four corners representing the world's four corners, the north, the south, the east, and the west. And this means that people from every tongue, tribe, and nation worldwide are part of God's kingdom. God's kingdom is not isolated to a little strip of land on the east side of the Mediterranean Sea. Yes, it is a part of it, but it's not the whole of it. And if we Gentiles have the same gift of the Holy Spirit as Messianic Jews, then there's no need to observe the Old Testament dietary laws. What God has made clean, Peter should not regard as common. The sheet coming down three times emphasizes the importance of the vision. But of course, at the moment, Peter is perplexed about the meaning. But at about that time, the three men that Cornelius sent arrived. But Peter agrees to return with them because he understands the vision after the Spirit explains in verse 20. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter has been prepared for this moment, even as he spends time with Simon the Tanner, who was an unclean Jew due to the nature of his vocation. In verses 19 and 20, the Holy Spirit reveals the connection between the vision and the errand of these men. And it is this, Christianity should no longer continue as a Jewish sect. It will become the destined religion of the entire world. God is not only the God of the Jews, but also of the Gentiles. And notice that the Holy Spirit says that he is the one who sent these men to look for Peter. This is the Spirit's doing. After the men explain why they are calling for him, Peter invites them in as guests, which at the time would be a huge deal for Peter. And some other fellow Jewish believers come with Peter and the men the next day. These believers may be accompanying Peter because of the event's importance or perhaps so that they can witness what is about to transpire. When they return to Cornelius, Peter asks why he sent for him. And Cornelius explains that he wants to hear all Peter knows about the Lord Jesus. Cornelius has gathered his close friends and family to hear Peter explain the good news of Jesus to them. And so Peter, a Jew, has this opportunity to explain the good news of Jesus Christ to this room full of Gentiles. So think back for a moment on uh, some foods that, may, that you may not have enjoyed eating as a child. What makes it good to you now when it wasn't before? Is it the way it's prepared or seasoned? Maybe it's the quality of ingredients. Maybe it's the source of ingredients. Maybe it's a different brand name or a different mix that comes in a box. But whatever it is, there has been a change, and now it is delicious to you. So how can we apply this to our spiritual lives? There are all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds in our community. And some of these people live certain lifestyles considered untouchable by many in our own little social group. There are people in our community who are, who are drug addicts. There are some who are porn addicts. I hear that there are prostitutes in Spindale. We have mothers who have aborted children without a second thought. We have LGBTQ people in our community. We have hardened atheists who just outright reject God and rebel against him. 
We have adulterers. We even have murderers. We have couples who have divorced for biblically unsanctioned reasons. We have people in our community who have been to prison, even for unspeakable crimes. And I'm sure that there are other demographics I'm missing. But you know what? If God has changed the hearts of these people, even people of every tongue, tribe, nation, and ethnicity, and brings them to repentance for their sins, and his spirit indwells their hearts, and he begins sanctifying them towards sinlessness for no other reason except his good pleasure to do so, by grace alone, through faith in Christ's atoning sacrifice. They are part of the church. They are your brother and sister in Christ. And if that makes churches uncomfortable, well, sorry, this is God's doing. He is sovereign over everybody's salvation. And if he chooses to save such people, they are part of the church. And we should receive them and disciple them. And this brings us to point two. We should preach the gospel to unreached people. We should preach the gospel to all unreached people groups. And why is Peter the one to preach to these Gentiles? Well, recall from the Gospels that Jesus said that Peter will be the one to build the church. And when given the invitation, Peter explained the Gospel and the events of Jesus' life. Cornelius falls at Peter's feet in reverence, but Peter politely refuses the gesture since he is only a mere man. What is about to take place is nothing of Peter's doing. God is orchestrating all of this. And notice that Peter's sermonette is similar to the one at Pentecost in chapter 2. After listening to Peter, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles there. And the events here are much like that during Pentecost. This is pretty much Pentecost for the Gentile people. There is amazement. There is speaking in tongues. And there is praising God. And these new Gentile converts are baptized by water and counted among the members of the church. We can imagine how Peter felt around those unlike him, even as God told him to preach to them. And don't lie. We have found ourselves at some point, perhaps on a road trip, and stop at a gas station or something, and we get out in unfamiliar territory. We start looking around and think to ourselves, you know what, I might be on the wrong side of town. But should we necessarily think that way? Well, perhaps in most cases, no, we shouldn't. I came across an iconic quote by Billy Graham that he gave during one of his evangelistic crusades. He said that some people believe Christianity is a white man's religion, but it's not the case. He noted that Jesus was a Middle Easterner. He was not a white man. He notes that a black man carried Jesus's cross. Jesus was born in a part of the world where Asia, Africa, and Europe touch each other. Jesus belongs to the entire world. In Genesis 12, God says to Abraham, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing, and you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. And here in Acts 10, we see that promise being fulfilled. In Romans 11, Paul speaks of Gentiles being grafted into the Jewish family tree. And yes, God can graft in the unbelieving Jews if they recognize their Messiah. So what does this mean for us today? If it were not for this event, even we would not be here at Main Street today. Or we're Gentiles. 
Main Street Baptist would not even exist. As Paul also says in Romans 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this includes all people who ever lived. Praise God for thinking about us and praise God for Peter's courage and faithfulness. And so God will continue to build his kingdom by our faithfulness. The Great Commission is going to be a success and his kingdom will expand and it will flourish. And so since this is the case and we all have the same spirit, there should be no partiality within the church. We should speak out against things that cause divisions. This does not mean, of course, that we have to be in lockstep agreement with literally everything to a T, and nor should we accept everything uncritically, but there should be no division. There needs to be unity. And we should speak out against things in our society that would hinder the advancement of the kingdom. Things such as the fear of rejection or even ridicule while evangelizing. But also things such as the fear of rejection and embarrassment about a past sin life. If all of God's people have the same spirit and all are his children, then racism is evil and we must speak out against it. Some here today may fall into one of these groups that I mentioned previously. If you feel God the Holy Spirit convicting you of your sins, and you feel his grace being offered to you, and you desire to repent of your sins and pursue a holy life according to Jesus' teachings, you should hear the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And it is this. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. Through him all things were made, and for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He was born of a Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate and atoned for our sins upon a cross. He was buried, and on the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He will come again to, in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, who is God and the giver of life, who spoke through the prophets. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and life forever in heaven. We were all sinners, but God is calling us to himself by his grace. He is changing our unrighteous, sinful, unclean nature. He is calling a kingdom of people to himself and preserving it for eternity. And if you feel God drawing you to himself and calling you to be a part of this kingdom of people from every tongue, tribe, nation, and ethnicity, we'd be delighted to tell you more. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, or even what you look like. So if you want barbecue for lunch today, go ahead and eat it without feeling guilty. If you want shrimp, eat it without feeling guilty. If you want ham this Thursday for Thanksgiving, Savor every bite. I don't know if turkey's clean or not, but go ahead and eat it. It don't matter. Because we're not breaking God's law by eating these formerly ceremonially unclean animals. When Christians eat these foods, we are actually obeying God in all that the Old Testament pointed to. We are celebrating. We're celebrating and giving glory to a God who has no limits. And he can do whatever he desires to do. And he can work miracles, even change 
the, the worst of sinners. And no one is so far gone and untouchable that he cannot save. Now let us pray. Lord, how wonderful you are and what mighty good things you do. We were once unclean in your sight, but you have cleansed us and are making us whole again. Empower us with the Holy Spirit to take this gospel to everyone of every tongue, tribe, and nation, and ethnicity, regardless of who they are or what they've done. We give you all the glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to another message from the pulpit ministry of Main Street Baptist Church in Spindale, North Carolina. I hope that your soul has been edified as a result of hearing the Word of God preached and that God will continue to be glorified in your life as you worship Jesus. If you have any questions about the message you heard today, feel free to uh, check us out online and send an email. You can find us at www.mainstreetspindale.com or you can call us directly at 828-286-2291. Hope you have a wonderful day. God bless.